Yes, sir. And welcome to the road to Damascus, where it's not about the road, it's about the journey. And I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of Road to Damascus. This uh, introduction is a little bit different than the one that we're used to because we're actually continuing in a conversation that we have started. Uh, so this is kind of a part two where we were uh, last time speaking about pro-life and pro-choice. So I just want to say hello to my co-host again before we dive right back into the conversation. I want to say what's up to Lolo. Say what's up, Lo. Hey, guys. Yeah. And I want to say what's up to the one and only, the rabbi, Shonda. Say what's up. What's up, everybody? Man, I love that audience. They just love y'all. <laughs> they just love y'all. And, of course, my main man in crime, the man, the myth, the legend, one Mr. Stefan. What up? Say what's up. <laughs> what's up, Steph? They got no, a little loud for yeah, you. Don't say no, no. No, he was over there hyping himself up. So I had to give him a little extra. Um, so last time um we were together, guys, we were talking about uh pro-life, pro-choice, and I had ended it on that scripture from Numbers um five, um, eleven through twenty-two. And I know Shonda immediately had a reaction to it. So um, we'll just and and I know spiritually what I got from it, especially after I read it. But I'm just saying these are the things that people who are non-believers may try to use, because at the end of the day, you have to know what people may use against you. And that's why I brought that scripture up. So um, but I'll go right to you, Shonda. Go ahead. You know, first of all, I, I really just want to admonish um everybody to just be careful with how you use, you know, the word of God. Um, it's not a weapon. It's a tool. And the moment you decide to use it to control how people behave and respond, um, you are out of line. You know, the word was never meant to be a weapon against God's people. It's meant to be a roadmap. You can choose which way you want to go. I set before you life and death, good and evil, blessings and cursings for you to choose. You have the right to choose. And so I think that um, the gentleman um, who used that scripture used it out of context to make it mean what he wanted it to mean to control the narrative. And you can't do that with God's word. Absolutely. Lorna. Uh, Steph, y'all got anything y'all wanted to add to that? No, I agree with Shonda. I mean, it, we got a, we have a responsibility. I mean, the ones on this show and then even the people that are just reading the word to actually get revelation and interpret the word the way the Holy Spirit wants you to interpret the word. Right. Because um, you can interpret these words very, very much so differently. Like slave owners were actually using the word to try justify to, make, yeah, to justify slavery right. in different cases. And that's using the, the word out of context for a, uh, a goal. Absolutely. You know, or a way of, of um, control. Yeah. And self gain. Uh, yeah. What is it? What is a, uh, what am I trying to say? The um, uh, witchcraft, you know, witchcraft. Like, oh, what? Well, yeah. yeah. Like, to manipulate. To manipulate. Well, well, no. And, and, and the thing that I took from one, that he wasn't a believer. So when people who aren't believers read the Bible, they read it differently than people who are believers. They read it like a book. We read it like a roadmap. Right. And 
that's where when you read that, you'll come to that. So, like I said, I just brought that scripture up just as a way to let people know these are the things that they're up against when they um, may approach somebody that they're trying to defend themselves. And that's when I really want to get into apologetics and us talking about apologetics and things like that. So we're going to keep that conversation going. So the way I want to start off is, um, now that we talked about that, is um, <laughs> so um, I'm going to start with the ladies first on this. But um, a lot of times when we talk about this uh, pro-life and pro-choice um, situation, it's always, you know, from the woman's perspective and my life, uh, my body, my choice and things like that. But what about when you get into a situation where a woman gets pregnant, she's not ready to have the child, but the man that she's with is ready to have the child? Um, what should that discussion look like and how should that be handled? Um, I think we're going to get some disagreement on that, um, but I'll start with you, Lo. I'm going to start with the nice stuff first. <laughs> so the nice part is... You know how you hear people say, um, you single until you marry, right? So, if you my husband, like I have a husband. So, I would have this type of discussion with him, even though this wouldn't be a discussion we would have. But if you're not my husband, it's my body, my choice. Now, I do I do believe that you should at least tell the person, like, hey, look, this this was going on. This is what I'm about to do. But at the end of the day, it's my decision. All right. That's where you're going with that. Shonda. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. You know, uh, first of all, I think whenever there's conception, there should be some discussion. Okay. Okay. So for um, women who conceive and, and, and have abortions or decide to have the baby without a discussion, with the one who helped you make it, you're already out of line. Now, that's how I feel about it. Okay. I don't think um, you should lay down with him and allow him to conceive with you, and then you don't include him in the discussion that there's, that there's now a baby. Okay. Okay, now, I think the two of you should have a discussion about this is what I want to do. You know, if you're the woman, listen, I'm pregnant. I don't want a baby. I'm not ready for a baby. Choosing to have sex is not choosing to have a baby. So um, I choose to terminate this pregnancy. I think he should be heard. I absolutely believe he should be heard. Okay. Do I believe he has a say in the matter? Yes, but the final decision is hers. Okay. Well, just before I go to Stefan, um, Lauren, I just want so do you think that discussion is different when it's with a husband as opposed to a boyfriend? Or is it? To you, do you still have the same stance? Well, no. Because married couples do get abortion. I, I don't want people to know that. It's not just yeah. single women out here that married yeah, people ma do. married people do it, too. Right. I know I know some married right. people that do it. But I, I agree with Shonda. Like, I feel like if you're going to decide to have sex with someone, you need to have a discussion from the onset to say, look, this is what we're doing, or what are we doing? Right, if this happens. Right, and okay. so it's not a it's not this big surprise if it happens, and y'all already know. Well, you already know what I'm on, so let's just right. go no, ahead and get it right. together. Right, yeah. like, okay. 
I think you should say up front. Look, I don't want I don't want any kids. I just want to have some fun. Well, I, I, and the reason I because I had a friend who he him and his um, when I was in college, him and his girl he was dating, and they were having sex. And he used to tell her like, "You ever get pregnant? I got this three hundred waiting for you." She got pregnant, and she had the baby. So, you know, it wasn't like he used to say that and. He told her, well, I thought we had this discussion about having this 300. And she kept the baby, and he loves his son to death. But I'm just saying, like, that used to always be their discussion, and it was made up front, but then she decided. So Hold on a second. No, go ahead. <laughs> okay. If we look at, just uh, look around us. Right. We see single mothers every day because men have made a choice. Right. They've chosen to not be involved with this child. Okay. She has no choice after Right. That. Oh yeah, no no, you know, I got you. She has no choice. Yeah, no. I'm 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 a, I'm gonna come back around. I just want to get before we <laughs> yeah, I want to get Steph's opinion, but trust me, I'm gonna come back around with another question on top of that. So, go ahead, Steph. I feel like I was in the dark with the eyes looking <laughs> yeah, at you. You better come no, with no, it. <laughs> Look. This is my like perspective on it, right? So, I feel like two people, right? Man and woman they lay down and they have, you know, they have sex. And um, they're pregnant, right? It's no longer. It's not just she's pregnant. When the man takes a stance, he's gonna be there. A real man, right? And he says he's gonna be there. He wants to have this baby. She says she doesn't want to have the baby. Why is it that a man can't be a part of him making the decision to say he wants to have the child, but every decision she makes, he has to back it? Meaning monetary. I don't want to have this baby. You need to give me three hundred dollars or however much. To, to get rid of the baby. No, I know. I want to have the baby. So he can't be a part of the decision to say he wants a baby. Rock made a point earlier on when he said, what if the man wants the baby and she doesn't want the baby? Well, have the baby, let me have the baby. We actually laid down together. I got you pregnant. That's my seed in you, right? You allowed me. So if it wasn't an accident, right, and it, that you guys were wearing protection, you guys had all these safety barriers to make sure that you weren't going to have a child. Now, if you guys went in raw, we already know it was time, right? Not even in that, even in that discussion, right? If we just be completely honest and we say, is the decision the woman's or is it uh, the collective? I believe the decision is the collective when the man is going to be a part of it. Now, ultimately, the woman has a decision to do what she, what she wants to do. The man can't force the woman to do anything. But like Shauna said, the man needs to be heard, and his decision is just as important as hers when it comes to having a child. Because now you have the opposite. You got, like Shauna just said, you've got a lot of deadbeat men that don't want to be fathers, and you got a lot of single mothers. But in this case, you're talking about a man that is not going to make this mother a single mother talking about a man who's actually going to step up because I know a lot of great dads. All my brothers are great dads. A lot of my family are great dads. <laughs> you know, but I'm saying that because I'm coming from the stance of great dads. I'm not saying that a lot of women will probably come from the perspective of saying I know a lot of deadbeat men. So why did the, <laughs> does the man have any decision in saying anything? Why should he even have a voice and an opinion on, on what happens to my body? I'm going to say, and I'm going to stand on this, if he can be a part of every discussion that is monetary, he can be a part of the discussion 
what happens to your body also. All right, go ahead, Low, because Low, Low, ready. <laughs> Get it on. These two about to go square off. I, all I'm saying is that you ke- you kept saying choice, right? Choice, choice. He if he makes a choice, he makes a decision. That's a choice. When a woman is required to be a mother, you are a mother by responsibility. It's and not a man, your, isn't? You have a choice to do that. A a woman can't if if a woman decides to say. I'm going to have this baby, right? If I, if I decide to say, all right, I'm going to have this baby. I'm going to carry this baby. Once you get to a certain time, you can't get no abortion. You can't take no plan B. So you're stuck. So if you ever decide to cop out, if you ever decide to say, I don't want to do this anymore, I'm still stuck with this responsibility. Hold on, Lolo. But think about this, though. Really think about this. Even if the man abandons the child, he's still a father. He's the exact same oh. role as the mother. Uh, 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 no, he's still he's still uh, uh. the father of that child. That no, child no, 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 no. Ha- you're not a father. DNA. No, no, no. He's not. Uh, no, you're not a father. A father. He, you're not a father. He is the father of that Let's child. Let's just say. He is the biological you father a donor. of that child. You contribute. Hold on. He's the biological. Technically, he is the biological father of that child. If the child wants to be able to trace his lineage. And why the, the kid has maybe some proclivities that are generational curses or generational blessings. The child has to look for that father to find out both sides of the personality of that kid. I agree with you on that. Right. But that's not the sole responsibility. No, no, no. You know, children are not here just to trace their lineage back. And, like, there's some responsibility from this man other than uh, lineage. Absolutely. No, Lola you know, made the point and said, even if the man cops out, the woman still is there. Like, the woman still. But the man is not there. Hold on, hold on. By choice. The woman, I know some women that don't want the child and some man that stick around. So it goes on both sides. Absolutely. We probably know more cases to where the woman is a single mother, but what about the single dads? See, I got to stick up for the guys that I don't. Like I said, I'm surrounded by great we, dads. We, we know a single, our cousin our, is a single, one of our cousins has been a single dad. For and, and then, but I'm not taking away from right. the single dad. But what right. I'm saying is that a man still has a choice. Gotcha. Well, let me. Oh, oh go ahead, Lord. I'm you, sorry. You still have the choice. Once a baby is in your stomach and it's past the point of you being able to get rid of it, you are responsible for that child until it comes out. You said losing Isaiah. She put him in the trash, but that mother instinct came back and she wanted her baby back. Did That's you? a fact. That's a fact. I mean, you're. It's still because you have a, a tie to this child. All right. So let me ask, ask the ladies a question. Cause I'm pretty sure it's being thought hold by on, the people B, that's listening. At it? No, hold on. I look to low. No, 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 no. I get my opinion. No, 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 no. He trying to figure out what's up. No, I'll get after after I no after I give after I ask this question and get your. I will promise I'll give my opinion. But so, how do y'all feel then about if the woman decides and the man says no, then? Should that woman look to that man for financial support, even though he told her, I do not want this child. You get pregnant. It's on you. I am not going to be a part of this child's life. You will not get anything from me. Do you think that that woman then in turn should be at the friends of the court looking for that man to be financially responsible for that child after this man then told you, I don't want to I don't want no children. I told you that from the jump. I don't want to have nothing to do with it. I'm out. So I'll start with you, Shonda. Do I believe 
that she should take him to friend of the court after he has stated that. Should she then turn around and look for financial support from that man after he had already told her, I don't want to like, I don't want to have, I don't, I'm not going to be a part. I don't want to have nothing to do with the child. I told you from the jump, if you ever got pregnant. So no, she shouldn't look to him for anything. The choice is yours. You know, you have the choice, which is why I said there should be some discussion. Like, okay, I'm pregnant. He says, I don't want any kids. I'm not going to support any kids. This is a discussion that we've had. I'm well aware that he's not going to do anything. I still have a choice to make. I choose I'm going to have this baby and I'm going to raise him without you. So I can't come seeking for you later on for a responsibility that I've already absolved you of with the discussion that we had. So I don't think that's fair. Okay. Lo? I'm with Shonda, no. Okay. Wow, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. Steph? Man, you already know. No. <laughs> <laughs> don't call me. No, I mean, I'm not saying me, but you know what I mean. I, well, you know it. Well, no, I, and the reason I ask that because I know more people um, that are in Friends of the Court that – told the women they didn't want to have the kids and that the women still take them to court to get financial support from men that told them that I didn't want to be there. And, and so that's why I asked that question. It wasn't like a got you question. It was just a, but you want to know why? Why? It's because you, you know, if you put a man on the birth certificate, that makes them their father. Oh, right. And so, even if you don't go, like I know someone who will. didn't go file, the state will. Oh yeah, no. That, as soon as you put their name, but uh, and, and I have to find because don't they have to sign? You can't just put somebody's name as a father. Uh, and certain, yes, you can. Yes, you what? can put who, you can put whoever you want. Yeah. On if there. you're not at the hospital when this baby is born, they I ask thought, you. I thought. Who's I thought. Father. Matter of fact, I heard a story like that. It's well, true. They I'm, had to get a DNA test, and then it was ruled that they were not the biological father. Then they were taken off the hood. Right. I thought I thought it was like a because they need your driver's license no, and, and no. affidavit. Whoever, and, no. whoever you say the father. So you could say LeBron James is the baby of your. <laughs> they gonna write that. Uh, they gonna write it down. Oh, okay. Wow. So all right. So I will give my opinion now that Stefan doesn't want. So this is how I feel. I feel as though that discussions need to. If I'm having sex with somebody, and maybe I feel this way because I'm older. Because when I'm 18, 17, 16, you're not thinking about I'm just being honest. 16, 17, 18-year-old is just thinking about having sex. When I was 16, 17, 18-year-old, the girl could have been atheist. She could have been Muslim. She could have, she could have been agnostic, whatever. If I wanted to have sex with her and she was willing to have sex with me, I was going to do it. You don't even sure. think about the long-term ramifications, which is why a lot of times conversations need to happen about sex. Absolutely. But, right. But as I'm older, I realize that that this the discussions need to happen. So I believe that at the end of the day, that the woman, if, if I want to have the child and the woman does not want to have the child, that ultimately that is her decision. And I'm not going to sit there and fight with her and things like that. It's just one of those things that I know now that it's best that we not even be together anymore because – she knew how I felt about the stance anyway beforehand, and and at the end of the day, you know, if 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 you if y'all know that stance beforehand, and don't try to talk her into it later on, you know what I'm saying? Like, 
Well, she told you, I, if I get pregnant, I'm not keeping a baby. And you're like, well, I will want you to keep it. Don't. It's one of them things where it's like, don't try to talk the person into it now. It's like, you knew where they stood. I knew where they stood. But if you don't and they still don't want to have it, at the end of the day, I'm again, that's back to the choice. I am not going to sit there and um, cause a big stink about it. I might be disappointed, but I believe ultimately when I say it's a woman's choice. So that is my opinion, Stefan. <laughs> I mean, because I know some people that, and some men, just men, right, that they wanted to have the baby, and their woman didn't want to have a baby, and they still stayed together. Okay. So in that case, it's like we laid down and we decided to have this child, or we we the the matter of fact that was the case. They were going to have a child. They laid down to have the child. Something happened between their in their relationship. Then it changed. Of course. So I think the child was levied as a tactic of control. Mm-hmm. He was never given the right or the decision to say, hey, I want to be able to still have this baby. No. Women who use kids as currency are just as deadbeat as men who agree and then walk away from their responsibility. Perfect. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Facts. Hold on. You see, you just sprinkled us with something. Say that one more time. Women who use kids as currency are just as deadbeat as men who agree and then decide to walk away from their responsibility. Man, she be shooting them curry that shots. Is, Don't even be facts. looking. Just. That's facts. <laughs> she needs she need some sound effects or something. Give her something. I told you he need to ask her, though. <laughs> now, I'm going to need, next time, I think we need to add, like, the the... the that's another three from Curry. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> bang! <laughs> yeah. Bang! <laughs> no, I, I'm a, I promise. I, I promise. Um, I add some sound effects. So, um, I, I like that. That was a good discussion. So let's let's get to the nitty gritty about this too that we didn't talk about uh, before the political aspect of it, um, the politics of it. So um, we kind of talked about the the Christian conservative part, but the politics, the the people standing in front of abortion clinics with signs and and things like that and wanting to force uh, judges into judgeships that will overturn Roe v. Wade, which, well, I'll say it once we dive into discussion, <laughs> but judges that want to overturn Roe v. Wade or um, voting for people that are pro-life and single-issue voters and saying that we need to have this person in office so they can appoint these judges that will then in turn overturn Roe v. Wade so then abortions will magically go away and nobody ever have another abortion once the court says that. So one thing that I wanted to bring up is that we have this perception in society that the main reason that people get abortions is because they want to use it as a way of birth control like uh, i'm gonna have as much sex as i want and um i'm gonna get this abortion if i get it which nobody has 400 it'd be cheaper to me to get your your uh pills or your patches or whatever than paying you know 300 dollars every time you get pregnant but that's what they say and then we know that a smaller amount of people who get abortions are because of rape or molestation and things like that but the political aspect, and this political aspect is big because these are the same people who want to shut down Planned Parenthoods. Um, 
<laughs> Shonda just sparked up when I said that. But people want to close down Planned Parenthood, even though less than 3% of what Planned Parenthood does is abortions um, or whatnot. And these are people who don't understand or want to pass legislation. I think you brought that up on the previous podcast that will be able to help people if they are in a little bit of a uh, financial situation not to be able to take a child. They don't want to be able to help you financially to be able to um, do things to take care of that child, especially in the United States of America, because that's where the biggest issue lies. So when we think about the political aspect of that, what what, what do you think of, Shonda? I think, first, first of all, um, President Obama was considered the most pro-abortion president of all time. But under him, Planned Parenthood's funding was at its lowest. President Trump is considered the most anti-abortion president of all time. And just recently, Planned Parenthood broke its record for funding. So um, abortion doesn't matter, doesn't care about which political party is in office. Well, just to piggyback that, um, and and I want to give this statistic, but since 1979, when abortions between 1979 and 1980, abortions have reached their peak. About 1.29 million women had got abortions. And that was a 29.1% per 1,000 women. Um, as of 2014, the latest statistic that I had saw that was measuring, it had dropped down to 14.9% per 1,000 women. And that was from 1980. Until now, the biggest drop that we saw in abortions in this country was the eight years that Obama was president of the United States. And the reason I think we see that is the reason I'm going to bring up is because I believe and this is just an opinion, but I think some of the facts that I have will back this up is that the biggest reason that people get abortions is because of poverty. I believe that they feel like they cannot afford children. I I believe I saw with 22% of the women who get abortions have had, this is like they've had a child previously. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they just feel like I can't afford a second child, you know, because why would you get an abortion if you had a a child already? Is it because you can't afford that second child? You get what I'm saying? So um, 75% of the women who get abortions are in poverty. 49% 49% of those women are below the poverty line. And again, we don't want to have a discussion about money and poverty in this country because we don't even talk about it when we supposed to politically. So what do you think about that law? Well, for starters, I want to say that the people that make these laws and make these decisions, they basically are telling you to make something out of nothing, right? They want to take away... Healthcare, they want to take away um, all of the resources and the things that they have previously provided to us, government assistance. They want to take away food stamps. They want to take away all this type of stuff. WIC. And they want to tell you. Now, I was a WIC child. Right. So it was, at the time, it was four of us. And if we didn't have WIC. Y'all wasn't eating. We wasn't eating. And so for for a woman to already have a child or two children or three children, for that matter, and you're looking at, 
I can't even take care of the three I got, or I can't even take care of the two I got. I just think that taking away their choice is, I don't agree with it. It's not acceptable. I mean, I, I just think, I like to say all the time when I'm at work, I call them man-made laws. And the reason why I call them man-made laws is because they're laws made by men that sit up in glass houses. Absolutely. Absolutely. Steph? <clears throat> yeah, uh, just like we talked on uh, the previous show, how they've got all this stuff talking about pro-choice. But none of this stuff is in place for people after they have the child. So somebody says pro-life. We've already established on the last show, pro-life has a shelf life. It is nine months. After that, you're on your own. You're on your own. You have a child. So what do you guys that are all that are all so pro-life, right? What do you guys have in place for these 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 um, mothers and fathers that are struggling that have had these children? Um, do you have anything in place for? These, uh, you know, uh, mental impacts, you know, the psychological impacts of these people that are having these children that may not be financially stable or that have, may have had the child uh, during a trauma. Are there, are there anything in place for those? Or the basic um, necessities. Like yeah, basic, exactly. Basic so necessities. Yeah, right. exactly. Yep. So you got you got issues like that to where um, they don't even have it to where, you know, they they can have affordable childcare. I know a case to where um, I don't really even want to be specific, but um, it was a working issue and it's a mother and a father and they don't even have really the financial ability to be able to split and work at the exact same time because somebody needs to be home constantly with the children because they can't afford daycare. Well, look what COVID has done to expose that. Where yeah, I think I think a kid, one kid, is like a hundred dollars a week. So if you have multiple kids, mm-hmm. right? So times that by whatever. If you have one kid, that's five hundred dollars a week, one kid. And if you have four kids, that's four times five. That is two thousand dollars a week. If you have four kids. So you want somebody to be, you know, in a, uh, or uh, the only thing that they really have sometimes is access to sex, right? They have a child. They don't really want to have the child. They have the child, and they're having back-to-back kids. Now they're trying to be financially stable, and then they add a child to the mix. And now this becomes an additional expense, and it becomes a burden on them. Absolutely. So before I go to you, Shonda, it's it's just so because this kind of becomes where I feel like the church has failed us. Um, Dr. King, um, before he died, his last or before, excuse me, before Dr. King was assassinated. Get it right. Yeah, I don't want to. We can make sure we got to use the right language with that. He was murdered. Yeah, murdered, assassinated. They did not kill him uh, on that balcony. I get okay. Well, that's a, that's yeah, another discussion that for another day. Yeah, right. But um, he started the poor. He started the poor people's campaign, and part of the poor people's campaign was to end poverty, not just for black people, but for white people. When he was going to Memphis, he was going for a workers' strike for garbage men, and they were fighting over minimum wage, which I believe 
don't quote me on this and I don't have it in front of me, but I think it was like $2 an hour. Um, and, and that's in the 60s. So I know you like $2 an hour, but at the time in the 60s, that was what minimum wage is. That minimum wage of $2 in the 60s today is $15 an hour. What we're trying to get past right now. So this is the society that people want people to bring people and the children. In the United States of America, we do not have free health care. That's first and foremost. According to the labor of bureau, the according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, at in 2018, 17 percent of the jobs in the United States of America offer maternity leave, or yeah, maternity leave once you had the child. So that means only 17 percent of the jobs will give the women, and and of those that 17 percent, 70 percent of them is only for six weeks. And that's the six weeks that it just takes for you to heal. Um, but they will let you go up to three months, but you can only get paid for six weeks. So now we want you to have this child where you don't get free health care. You're making seven. The, the, the federal minimum wage in the United States, I believe, is seven fifty is seven twenty five, seven fifty, whatever. And I know some states is they have higher in that state, but there are states that still pay the federal minimum wage in those states. So now you're having people work for slave wages because that's what that is. That's a slave wage. You cannot live off of 725. Then you want them to have this child where they don't get to have maternity leave, but they're not making enough money to even where it's like within a week or two, they have to go back to work to take care of that child. You don't. And then on top of that, now they have to pay for child care. Child care can roughly cost you, what is it about? I think I, it's been a while, um, but I'm about four, about four or $500 a week if they got to go every day, depending on how long they have to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you might, and if you work at making that much money, you probably have to have a second job. So you're not raising your child the way you want. So now you're maybe asking a grandmother, an aunt, a cousin, somebody you just met, your neighbor, can they help you out? Then you want to cut SNAP, you want to cut WIC, you want to cut all of these other social programs. Then you also, in the 70s, had to where if women wanted to be eligible to receive government assistance, there could not be a man in the home. So now you eliminate them from even having a father in the home or a man in the home that can help. And the church didn't fight against that when you were basically separating families. You were um, okay with single mother hood at that point but the church wasn't screaming and hollering about that but that's another discussion for another day so what i'm telling you is is that we foster in this country we foster where we keep you in poverty but we want you to bring children into this world and and not only do i think it's a two-part to me i think one of it is because one the the higher percentage of abortions are white women and they don't want their numbers to dwindle but two, they need low-wage workers, and they need you to keep having these children so they can keep having these low-wage workers because we know public schools are not um, taking care of the way that they're supposed to because it's based on taxes. So if you live in a low-income area, the taxes are then in turn um, bad that the schools aren't good, and we know what the, uh, prison, the, the school-to-prison pipeline looks like. So when I think about that, why isn't the church trying to get legislature or pushing for people to have programs that foster people not being poverty? Then that way, I, 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 I guarantee 
that if we did programs that got rid of poverty, that you would see even a more sharp decline in abortions. So Shonda, I go to you. I just gave that diatribe. <laughs> I don't know. I, I hope all this kind of comes together. For me, the laws that um, that govern abortion remind me of the war on drugs. You remember the war on drugs? Yeah. The same people who launched the war on drugs were the same people who were flooding black neighborhoods with the drugs. The same people who are warring against abortion are the same people passing laws that cause abortion to appear to be okay or necessary. We need laws that give people access to a full range of reproductive health. And that just might include making abortions legal and safe. Absolutely. I mean, um, in our state, we are in Michigan. Marijuana laws have passed. It doesn't, I haven't seen more. I see the same people that were smoking before it passed is the same people that smoking now. Actually, I don't see people that wasn't smoking before. No, they were just undercover. Right. <laughs> now they just. Right. But, but now it's more accepted. So you got the people that was, oh, no, uh, I, I don't smoke. Now you see them come out from the dark and like, mm-hmm. you trying to smoke? You smoke? Mm-hmm. And I've been smoking for 30 years. Well, they got 30 they food and all I was about that. to say everything. Right. Yeah. The edibles and things yep. like that. But, yeah, so I just think that um, that those are the discussions that we're not having. Like, like Shonda said, and I think you sell it, said it so eloquently, is we set up laws that make it seem like this is the only option that I have. Right. And if this is the only option that I, what do you, what do you always say? If the only tool you got is a hammer. Everything is a nail. <laughs> everything is a nail. Go ahead, Law. Piggyback on what everybody was saying. I absolutely agree. Um, even when we were talking, we had touched on um WIC, we had touched on child care. We had touched on the basic necessities. And it's, it's really only in minority communities that, right. that we well, do Well, it, really, this is only in the United States of America. Yeah. Other countries offer maternity leave. Other countries offer where they'll send a maid to your house mm. to take care of your children. Other countries offer free college, free uh, uh, child care as far as um, daycares and things like that. Only in this country do we make it seem like that, that rugged individualism. You don't need people to do this stuff for you. And then we pay child care workers slave wages. Mm-hmm. So, but continue, Law. I'm sorry, I didn't mean. No, you're okay. Um, I just think that, like I said from the beginning, we literally set people up for failure. We set them up to fail. I mean, if, if we are being realistic, when it comes to African Americans in America, we were literally set up to fail from the beginning. Absolutely. And you see that um, Caucasian women are the mass majority getting those abortions, but those are the people that can actually can afford it. They can afford to go do that with no problem. Their parents can afford to take them um, once a month if they need to so that they look good in front of their friends. They can afford to do that. So when we look at African-American women and, and you know, they're all, there's always this uh, scope on them to say, well, she should have did this better. She should have did that better. But really, we're doing the same thing that you're doing. We just don't have the same kind of resources. Well, I think it becomes, if, and tell me if you agree, Lauren, it, perception becomes reality. Absolutely. Because we, we deem, it's like with drugs. 
we make it seem like everybody who was on drugs doing the, the crap at crack epidemic were black. And we make it seem like everybody who's on social programs is black. And it's not. And we know, if you look it up, the vast majority of people who are on social programs in the United States of America are white people in the South, in states where Mitch McConnell, in states that vote against laws that are beneficial to the people like Kentucky, like Alabama, like Mississippi, like Georgia, states that have some of the most strict abortion laws in this country, the heartbeat, the heartbeat laws, the you have to bury the, the child if you get the abortion law. Some of the strictest states that have these laws are also some of the most oppressive states when it comes to um, taking care of their people that takes the largest chunk of money from the government, like States like California, New York, Michigan, we pump money into the federal government for the states like Kentucky, like Georgia, like Tennessee, that are the takers. So you can make fun of the coast and all of that, but the coast states are the ones that supporting you on Social Security, supporting you on welfare and things like that. So, you know, we need to have real conversations when it comes about this, because, like I said, at the end of the day, it's not black and white. So you can say pro-life is anti-abortion, but when you talk about the pro-choice aspect, let's let's give the people a choice where you have all of these resources where we could say you have every resource to keep the child. Mm-hmm. And if you decide not to, then it's just you just decided not to keep the child. If mm-hmm. every resource is available, child care, a, a, a good paying job, um, health care. All of this, because even we don't talk about this as well. You want black women to have children in this country and black women death rate in this country during pregnancy is like that of a third world country. And we don't have those discussions. Why? Because you think when a black woman says she's in pain, that she's lying or she's being dramatic or she's being. And the darker you are, the higher tolerance of pain they expect you to have. Serena Williams, who is a multimillionaire, well-known, world-famous tennis player, almost died during childbirth. It so, would be easier for them to suspect that I'm just trying to get some opioids than for you to believe me when I tell you I don't feel right, something's wrong, I'm in pain, and I shouldn't be. But you can look at me and dismiss that because of the slave mentality, because of how you beat black women and men and they withstood the pressure so now you look at you know darker skinned people and you think oh well they can take it you're just trying to get drugs man please stop killing us right and those are the discussions we don't have when we talk about this and that's why i say this is a nuanced conversation this is not just black and white pun intended right you understand what i'm saying but we don't talk about the the women dying during childbirth black women at rates of a third world country. I am not making that up. Look it up if you do not believe me. I didn't know Serena Williams almost uh, died. Yeah. Yeah, she, yeah, she almost died during childbirth. And and recently, um, a, a, a black doctor died in the hospital from COVID. And when she talked about them not right. treating her right, when she was telling them what was wrong with her. Right. And I can't think of her. I can't think of her name off the top of my head. And forgive me for that. But, but so what I'm saying is... is a lot of times we can talk about, and I know sometimes on the show people might say, well, they talk about race a lot. And 
at the end of the day, we have to talk about race because race is present in yeah, this country real. and is real. And unfortunately, the system of racism, because remember on the previous show, I told you the beginning of the pro-life movement that started, started because they wanted to keep their schools segregated. And, and we don't have we don't have those we don't want to have those discussions when it when it um comes to that. So yeah, I just hope that the information that we have given you. But um, another thing that I think that we don't talk about with this is with the numbers dropping, and I talked about presidents and things like that, and they feel like the court needs to be a certain way. What they don't talk about is there's been times where we've had conservative majority judges that have not taken away Roe v. Wade. But I think that people don't understand that, um, and I'll start with you, Shonda, that people don't understand that once they take away Roe v. Wade, they're not going to stop at Roe v. Wade. Right. They're going to start rolling back everything, your voting rights. You know, and we we laugh about it, and I, I think we laugh about it because we have to. To stop from crying. You know, um, eventually... You, are we going to be back in slavery? You know, mm -hmm. is that where we're heading? You, you're going to start rolling back um, laws that are pertinent to us. And for people who think that race is not woven into every fabric of American culture, not black or white, but American culture, think about it. People are more upset about an individual having an abortion than seeing a man die on national TV because somebody's knee is on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. You have more vitriol about someone having a, a boarding a fetus that you've never seen than by watching this that you will probably never forget what you saw. You're angrier about that. And you think that race is not an issue? Come on, man. Don't <laughs> pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Uh-oh, Steph. Yeah, no, I think it... it People are more in love with the theatrics of it than the actual reality of it. A fetus is not real until the fetus is the fetus becomes a baby and is born. So people are trying to control the bodies of women and they're trying to control the decisions of people by saying, No, you can't you got you gotta have this baby, um, regardless of the scenario or the decision. And like Shonda just said, they're going to start changing a lot of different things. They're, they're, they're going to use that, and they're going to start changing various other you know, voting rights, voting rights, all these, all these other things. Ro, um, let me Brown v. Board. That was a court decision yeah. that made separate but equal because it was a court decision, Plessy v. Ferguson, that yep. that made it possible to segregate. And we and people don't want to have those discussions because if if you don't, the Bible says for a lack of knowledge. My people shall perish. And if you don't learn from history, you are bound to repeat it. And we are thinking that, oh, well, we just want to get um, abortions taken away. I am here to tell you, read your Bible. You cannot legislate sin. Hello. You cannot legislate sin at all. Paul said, what about the law, Shonda? What did, what did Paul say? I did not. I didn't know sin until the law came. I did not know sin until the law came. You cannot legislate. I, I mean, Israel, was, <laughs> how many times did they go back because they weren't doing what they were supposed to do? And God knew that the, the law was just to bring Jesus, but we needed Jesus 
because we couldn't st- be sustained by the law. Yeah, the letter, the law killeth, but the spirit brings life. So go ahead, Law. I'm, you got <laughs> go ahead. I think that this entire conversation, we kind of been piggybacking off of each other. Right. Because it's just so much. It's so much that you can touch on. It's so much that you can talk about. But like Rocky and Shonda were saying, that it's so critical that we know where we come from. You have to know where you come from so you can know where you're going. And when you know where you're going, because you know where you started, then you can know what to stand for. It won't be so easy for you to go up and say, you know, change this, fix this, do this, do that. Because you will know where you came from. And I, I know we said it's, this is not a black and white thing. But at the same time, because we have fought from the beginning and we're still fighting, we have to make sure that we know without a doubt, what we're fighting for. When I see people standing on the side of the road with signs that say uh, no abortions, end abortions, do this, do that, and they and they try to say, well, this is what the Bible say, but you're shaming me and you're telling me what I cannot do and I'm going to go to hell for doing it, but my Bible tells me that everything should be done in love. Where's your love in this? Absolutely. How are you uplifting me in this? How are you encouraging me in this? How are you saying, I know I know that you did this or I know you made this choice, but let me come in and comfort you? Because people don't know what people go through after they decide to get an abortion. Right. They don't know what their thought process consists of. They don't know what their emotions look like. They don't know if people don't get out of bed for two weeks because of this decision that they made, that they didn't have a choice but to make. And so I think that when people are led by love, you will look at things different. Steph, you want to say something? Yeah, no, I was going to say, like Lolo said, this, this topic is so broad, but the stance is narrow. That's why we all piggyback on each other because the stance is going to always be the same. It should always be being led by love and the choices that are our birthright that, that God has given us. Not making us robots, but giving us the free will, the free will to serve him, the free will to choose him in our lives, the free will to love, the free will to hate. These are all free wills. These are not governed by man. These are governed. These are things that are governed by ourselves. We get to choose, although God is taking a stance on which one he wants us to do. He takes the stance on allowing us to do what we want to do. Because he wants us to do what we want to do so he can see what we rather do. And it's the exact same thing when giving somebody the choice to do what they want. Just like Lolo said, people are outside picketing with, like, the, the you know, they don't have pitchforks or anything, but they have the signs. Oh, no, they might as well. Yeah, they have the signs out there, but they're doing that right next to a homeless guy, and they're kicking his box. Like, get up, get a job. How are you pro-life, but you're not pro-long life? You pro short life. How many how many homeless people did you walk by when you was going to hold that sign? They probably up? kicked his coins. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? And that and that goes like I had brought up Planned Parenthood earlier. Planned Parenthood, they try to defund it, even though less than three percent of what they do is abortions. But they do, but in communities where they don't have money, this is where women go to get breast mammograms, to get STD testing, to get some of the things that 
what y'all talk about women and reproductive health, that, that they have to even go to a Planned Parenthood, you know, because the main thing that I hear the church say, and we'll be wrapping up soon, but the main thing I hear the church say is this, I don't want my tax dollars paying for abortion. This is what they say. So, And they say, because my tax dollars is paying for murder. But you don't mind your tax dollars blowing up a, a brown child in Palestine? You don't mind your, your tax dollars killing a child in another country? You don't mind your tax dollars dropping a drone and killing innocent women and innocent children in another country? Miss me with what your tax dollars is paying for. And I'm sorry I'm getting loud, but I'm passionate about this. Because you're telling me what your tax dollars ain't going to pay for for murder. Your tax dollars been paying for murder from the day you was born and your parents pay taxes. When we was going over to Saudi, when we went over to and invaded Iraq, when it was Saudi Arabia who, who tore down 9-11 and they was over there killing those Saudi people that that led to the rise of ISIS. Then we go over there and fight ISIS. And while we fighting ISIS, we killing innocent women and children. When we go to other countries and, and take those over and we kill the people in those countries and steal their resources and things like that. So don't tell me what you don't want your tax dollars paying for, because if you tell me you don't want your and this just goes back to the from the tomb to the womb. If you telling me that your tax dollars is paying for the, 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 the killing of children, your tax dollars is been paying, it is going to continue to pay for the killing of children in, in, in Yemen, in, 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 um, in, in, in Iran, and all these other countries that we invade and bomb and shoot and kill. And, and then we support Israel, who then is oppressive to the people of Palestine and, and, and don't give them any rights and, 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 and keep them in an open-air prison. So... When you when you say that, make sure you have knowledge about what you're saying, because at the end of the day, you're speaking out of ignorance. And I'm sorry, I just had to get that off my chest. Go ahead, Shonda. <laughs> Let me <laughs> say this. See if we can turn the corner. But, but people do that. The governments do that. And like Lauren was saying, people shame you because they have more language for your funeral than your resurrection. So they don't have the language for restoration. But they know what to say at, at a funeral. So this is the mentality that people have. It's easier for me to kick you when you're down. I have the language for that. It's easier for me to shame you and guilt you because I have the language for that. But they don't have the language of love. They don't have the language of restoration. They don't have the language of resurrection. Absolutely. Well, I think this has been a, a lively discussion. It was about two hours worth of uh, pro-life, pro-choice talk. And I think that we really hit on so many points that just showed that this is a, a nuanced conversation, that this isn't just something that can just be you're either pro-life or pro-choice, that you have to be able to understand that there is nuance in this conversation. So I really enjoyed, enjoyed us doing this and, and having this talk, and I enjoyed everybody's perspectives and what they brought. So we're going to go ahead and close out, and I'm going to start with, Shonda, you're up first. All right. Okay. Let me see. We got to do something different because the way we're doing things is certainly not working. Um, of the 600 laws of Moses, none of them deal with abortion or the concept of it. The one law about miscarriage specifically contradicts the claim that the Bible is anti-abortion. It clearly states that miscarriage does not involve the death of a human. If a woman has a miscarriage as the result of a fight, the man who caused it should be fined. 
But if the woman dies, however, the culprit must be killed. That's Exodus 21, 22 through 25. I've said more than once that people aren't bound because they don't read the word. They're bound because they read it and attempt to make it mean something that it doesn't mean. You shouldn't use the word to try to accommodate how you feel or what you believe. Am I telling women to have an abortion? No. Would I have one personally? No, but that's my choice. So stop using the Bible to attempt to rob people of that. Amen. Wow, I like that. Lauren, it's on you. You gonna you want you wanna follow that up? <laughs> you know, that I was I had to sprinkle because you know she always coming with them jewels, so I had to sprinkle. With my closing, I want to give y'all the definition of choice. The definition of choice is an act of selecting or making a decision when faced with two or more possibilities. And then it gives you like a little preview and it says the choice between good and evil. So when you think of the definition of choice, right? The definition of choice is something that is personal. It's a personal decision that you make based off of whatever your scenario is and whatever your outcome looks like. The only person that can judge you on your good and your evil, your no and your yes, is God. So when you trust him, you talk to him, you communicate with him, he will tell you exactly what to do. Don't be led by people and don't be led by the things that you see around you. You focus on him and he will do the rest. Amen. Good job. Good job. Steph, you going to follow these two ladies? You better bring the heat. We're going to see what the Holy Spirit got. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to say, uh, though the topics may be broad, my stance is the same. And it's always going to be love. Um there's some women that have made decisions to have abortions, and then there's some that are in the process of making a decision to have an abortion. There are some that have actually, um, they've had their children or their child, and they've been able to continue on with life. I want to speak to the women that right now that are looking to make the decision and the ones that have made the decision and may have regretted the decision. Um, in Isaiah 49 and 15, it says, can a, a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on a child she has born though she may forget i would not forget you and that is pretty much saying god is saying in that regardless of the decision that is made god has not forgotten that child nor has god forgotten about you regardless of the decision you have made if you are down on yourself or if you're making a decision and you're down about the decision and you feel like you don't know where you're at you're at a crossroad right now continue to see god a lot of Holy Spirit to work through you to where you can make the correct decision and you can make the decision that doesn't put you down a road of pain and struggle, but continue to see God in whatever decision that you make because God, if you've made that, if you made that decision prior to, God has that baby. Everything is fine. So that's what I'll end with. Amen. Good job. Again, I just want to thank y'all because we had a great discussion. And uh, I think you guys' closing were all uh, phenomenal. Um, I'm going to say this in my close. It, it's funny to me that sometimes we get selective about the things we want to be outraged about. Um, a lot of times, or not a lot of times, when I hear people 
shun and talk about abortion, they make it seem like that is the road of no return. That if you do decide to get an abortion, that you will burn in the grips and pits of hell. I know that at the end of the day, if a person is condemning you to hell for getting an abortion, then they're going to hell for the premarital sex that they had, that they're going to hell for the lies that they've told. Because at the end of the day, the Bible teaches us that the only thing God will not forgive us for is blasphemy. So I'm not telling you to get an abortion, then ask for forgiveness. And I'm not telling you to lie and ask for forgiveness. I'm not telling you to have premarital sex or an affair um, and ask for forgiveness. What I'm telling you for is that God's love extends past what we do in this sinful nature that we have, that God loves us and that everything needs to be dealt with and handled in love. So when we, when you are talking to a person that may be deciding to get an abortion or has had an abortion, understand that you do not know the trauma, the history, the pain, or whatever that person has been through or what they had to deal with after they've done that. And that's just like anything we do in life. There are seeds that we plant that we have to reap. So a man reapeth that shall he also sow. So I just want you all to know that we love you. We continue to pray for you. And God will continue to love you more than anybody else ever will. So with that, we're going to be out. We thank you for listening to another episode of Road to Damascus where it's not about the road, it's about the journey. And until next time, we love you and God bless.